guys up my friends today we are going to be talking about starting new books in honor of me starting my uh <laughs> my first trilogy over again you know that's exciting so i started that this past week because you know i just could not wait until my last book was done see this is really bad you should not follow my example on this one because this this is the main cause of people stopping their work in progress is they get like so caught up in their new book that they forget to finish their old book or they just get so bored of their old book and they waste all their creative thinking only thinking about the new book anyway so this is really bad i'm just hoping i can get through the last 80 pages of my old book before uh major burnout hits. Anyway, so starting new books. Um, I, this episode I'm going to be reading a lot of quotes from books. I will make sure to tell you where it's from and uh, explain what type of beginning it is. My first one, and my personal favorite one, out of all of the ones that I've read so far, is Panic. Okay, so honestly, for me, I love writing emotional scenes because I feel like I can capture them, like, panicked scenes very well. I feel like I can capture them very well. And it's odd because I haven't done it before. I haven't wrote a start to a book with panic in it. So the quote I'm going to be reading from is The Maze Runner, written by James Dashner. Um... It's just the first, uh, uh, the first, um, sorry, I'm totally blanking, paragraph or so. So, chapter one. He began his new life standing up, surrounded by cold darkness and stale, dusty air. Metal ground against metal, a lurching shudder shook the floor beneath him. He fell down at the sudden movement and shuffled backwards on his hands and feet, drops of sweat beating across his forehead despite the cool air. His back struck a hard metal wall. He slid along it until he hit the corner of the room. Slinking to the, sinking to the floor, he pulled his legs up tight against his body, hoping his eyes would soon adjust to the darkness. With another jolt, the room jerked upward like an old lift in a mine. So, you know, that is kind of... You get the kind of odd, off feel of this book that kind of just sets the tone exactly because The Maze Runner, I don't know if any of you have read it, but it's very um, life or death situation. They are always on the move when they're in the maze. Um, so, you know, it just helps set the mood. It's panic. In a loose sense, I guess, he's not exactly panicking, but, you know, it just kind of creates and sets the atmosphere for the book. Um, my next one on my list is a note, and it could be like a note from the future, a note from a character who doesn't have a perspective. That's actually an interesting one to do, but um, for that one, I'm going to be reading out of my new and improved journey, but it's called Exploration. I'm not married to the name, so it might change. Uh, so it's 
from the future. It's supposed to be from the third book and, like, the climax of the book. But he just, like, stuck the note in his journal, whatever, and just the front page. So you just kind of read it in order. And that one goes, I don't have much time, I'm afraid. I don't even know if anyone will see this. On the off chance they find me, I write this note. Will it encase my final words of wisdom as I drift away? Probably not. I don't even know what that might be. Whatever that case... Oh, sorry. Whatever that might encase, I just want you to know... Dot, dot, dot. You know, he trails off. They found me. Regretfully, Elisha. So, a note. That was from the future. Um, You don't have context for it, so you don't know who's coming, what's going on. Um, So, it's kind of like a circle ending, almost. You... I do circle endings a lot. I feel that they are very good, um, they're very good to intrigue you, because beginnings, they can be slow. I will tell you this, slow beginnings, they are terrible to get through, but you have, like, a hook. This is definitely a hook. If you are, um, writing scenes for your climax in the beginning, it will, like, it will entice your readers to begin to read your book, and hopefully they will stick around and tell your climax. Yeah, so anyway, the next one is, um, one that is, I feel it's way overdone, and I very much apologize for anyone who has read my past books, because that is one that I did quite often, sadly. I remember just a couple of... Oh, oh my gosh. I just remembered that I've been lying to you. Okay, so, let me just backtrack and explain. So, I was thinking of the beginnings of my books that I've done, and I was remembering this book that I wrote so long ago that actually came before Journey. Like, it wasn't a full-length novel at all. It was maybe 20 pages long. But, you know, it was pretty... It was a good... uh, It was a good premise, at least. I found it interesting, but it was really badly done, and I abandoned it really quickly. But I used... uh, waking up as the hold up let me find it on my computer i will find it and we will read it from that oh my gosh oh wow that there we go i found it it's on my computer and the book is called the trials <laughs> oh my gosh wow it's, it starts, I wake up and notice my breathing is unusually high. I calculate in my head to calm down. It's just a dream, I repeated to myself. This has been happening for a few weeks, and I can hardly bear to close my eyes. I blink tears from my eyes. Catherine, get down here and study, my mother shouts. I get up quickly and put on the government-issued clothing that we are required to wear here in the democratic U.S. What? (laughs) Okay. 
I hated the jumpsuits the government made us wear. They banned any clothing not government issue because of the ideas they portrayed. Now, the entire country is wearing the same half-cotton, half-polyester gray jumpsuits. Okay. Yeah, so I did the waking up thing. That wasn't really the book that I was going to read from, but you know, this is a really bad example of it. <laughs> this is really terrible. Wow. Um, you want to hear another uh even more terrible one? It kind of is like mixing starts to the books, you know? Here we go. So, this one is from Journey, not Exploration. So, this is the first one that I wrote. The first full-length novel. Um, I wake up slowly. I wake up. You do not want to start your book with I wake up. I promise you that. Um, some people make it work. I will talk a little bit more about that, but you do not want to start your book with I wake up. I beg you. I wake up slowly. The sun still burns bright, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> it is only set once in 500 years that we've lived on this planet. It's set for 100 years. Um, that is also a very terrible way of uh, starting a book. These are all things that you should incorporate in the book, but you should, like, blend them in seamlessly. So, like, you know you're getting information while you're still going through the plot line. Um, let me see. We believe that it will set again soon. I glance around at my room, same as always. Adobe walls, sand in the corners, that's all this place seems to be. Sand. Sand. Okay. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, that was my first book. It sounds exciting, I know. Like, okay. Uh, so that was something that you should probably want to avoid. Some people really make it work. Like, I'm just remembering The Hunger Games, for example. I don't have any Hunger Games books sitting in front of me right now, sadly. But, 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 um, I was gonna say something. They did it well, obviously. The Hunger Games is a very well-known novel, and everyone, or can't speak for everyone, but a lot of people enjoy it. So, obviously, Suzanne Collins has done a very good job with her waking up, but a majority of the time, it's not something you want to go for. Uh, let me see. Introducing characters for that one, I have the Hidden Oracle from the Trials of Apollo series. Um, Rick Riordan is a very celebrated author, uh, so... You know, this should be a good one that you can do. Sometimes it doesn't work so well. Uh, a lot of people... He does that for a lot of his book series, I've noticed. Like, um, Magnus Chase. I guess he kind of does it for Percy Jackson. Like, I mean, the actual Percy Jackson books, not the Heroes of Olympus. Um, so, his first line in this book is, My name is Apollo. And Apollo is a very well-known character throughout, well, everywhere. Um, I haven't yet met a person who didn't know about the Greek gods. So, you know, it was 
okay to say, my name's Apollo, you know? Because Apollo is a recognizable character. Um, and people already know him, and he was introduced in the other books. This is kind of like a spinoff series, almost. Uh, but if you went around saying, oh, yeah, hi, my name, in your books, obviously, hi, my name is Marissa, I'm Marissa, it, it, you know, it just also, it's not great, you probably shouldn't do that, but it, the first line is, my name is Apollo, I used to be a god, so, you know, just introducing your characters a little bit, uh, Oh man, my computer turned off. Whatever. I'll turn it back on when the time comes. Um, so the next one is a circle comedy. Um, that book I believe I had for it was Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. And I don't have that book sitting in front of me, but I believe the first lines were Hi, I'm Percy Jackson. Wait, hold up. I can Google this. In the meantime, yeah, I'm not really organized today. Sorry, guys. In the meantime, we can do circle drama. Circle drama. Now, that's an interesting one. I don't actually have a book that's from. I'm pretty sure I've read it before, one before, but... I don't have any books on me like that. Ah! Can't want... There we go. Okay. So. The first line is, My name is Percy Jackson. I'm 12 years old. Up until a few months ago, I was a boarding student in Yancey Academy, a private school for troubled kids in upstate New York. Um... Yeah, so that wasn't what I thought it was, but okay. Good for them. Oh, look, it didn't. I didn't want to be a half-blood. That's what I was going for. Circle, comedy. He didn't know he was a half-blood in the beginning of the book, so obviously there was some circle somewhere. Um, sorry that took so long. Ay, ay, ay. Okay, uh, circle, drama. Back to that one. That one, I really, is kind of like the panic one. Except, you know, it's a, it's definitely a hook. It's almost like the note one as well. That one could be a circle drama as well. Um, so like I said earlier, my book, it circles to the back, to the last book in the trilogy. Where, you know, Elijah's having some kind of trouble. He's in trouble. He thinks he's gonna die. You know, it just kind of hooks you on what you want on this book. And, you know, it works. Back, back, background description. Okay, background description. I believe that one was Journey as well. Let me scooch on back to it. So, here's it. Here's um, some more background that I gave for this. Goodness, I really messed up now, didn't I? We've sent explorers to see if they could find something more. They've come back with little news to tell. Just more sand. Which is kind of... I don't know. I contradict myself in this book a lot. Uh, Once they came back with news of an oasis. The princeps... You know, like the ruler of the senate in uh, Roman times. 
Yeah, I don't know how I knew that, but okay. Roman times. The princeps built his castle there. Their family has lived there ever since. My family lives about 20 minutes away from the castle walls. My dad is the princeps advisor. So that was basically just a bunch of background. It was a very terrible knowledge dump. You should not knowledge dump. It's bad because it just doesn't blend into the story very well. One thing you should really do when you're trying to start a new book is immediately get to the plot. Don't spend too much time um, introducing characters or trying to explain your world in one sitting. It's not going to go well with your readers. Uh, narration. What did I say about narration? Um, so you just, narration. That one works with Percy Jackson as well. Look, I didn't want to be Half-Blood. He's narrating. Um, let me see. Okay. Narration. That one, oh, was in Lies and Deceit, Hidden in the Wind. Now, people did not have not really read this book because I don't I don't know some people just it's not it hasn't gotten as popular as my other book as freaking journey that book has like almost 3,000 reads and this one has maybe 100 100 plus <laughs> I mean sure I've had journey on for like three years but it was very terrible and not very well written, and then and then I have my book, and it's not getting reads. Sad. But anyway, so, narration. You have your main character narrating the beginning of the book, and yeah, so this one goes, chapter one. In moments of clarity, I often dream back to this brisk autumn night. On this night, the wind blew warm. I remember so clearly because I only got brief periods of troubled sleep. In between these spells, I would look out to the balcony. I had felt, very briefly, a calmness that continued to wash over me as I felt the breeze push back my unkempt hair out of my face. I don't know why I choose to focus on this moment, because it holds no importance to me. Actually, that's a lie. Now Now that I think about it, it holds more significance than I give it credit for. At the time, my naive self thought it was a throwaway memory. Now that I know better than I did, I remember it as my last moments as a fully sane person. I remember it as the last moments where I was truly myself. I hadn't known it then, but there was something very important, there was a very important reason for my restlessness. Something was stirring that night. Something that's life was linked to mine in the powerful bonds of destiny as my name was passed through the ages. So he was narrating. He was narrating his, um, struggles. Uh, you know, there was just this moment that really, it wasn't very eventful, but it was very, um, important to the story, it was important to the character, and he was narrating. So, there's your narration. Quotes. The next one is quotes. I have quotes. I have a lot of quotes in this book. It's also from Lice and Deceit, Hidden in the Wind. Um, my quotes ba- basically match the um, p- 
part of the book you're in. So this one talks a lot about the voice that, well, not a lot about, because it's just a quote, um, talks about the struggles that the character is going to go through at first. And so also I don't really, I didn't get where this quote was from because I just Googled it and it didn't show me. So I'm really sorry if you get offended that I didn't um, quote anyone on this, but sorry. Anyway, the quote is, everyone has one, a little voice inside that whispers. When you hear the voice, you listen. So it just kind of um, sets the tone once again, kind of like the panic, but it sets the tone for the part of the book you're in. Let me see if I can find um, another start, because almost like the parts are It's almost like the parts are um, the beginning to a new story. It's like a whole new plot line almost. Okay, so I'm in part three. Uh, the quote for this one is, Power is domination, control, and therefore a very selective form of truth, which is a lie. Um, this one is where my main character begins to feel very powerless, even though he is, um, he's been promoted almost. He becomes the leader of the land, but he feels very powerless, even though he's supposed to have gained power. So it kind of just like, it just correlates with what the part is going to be about, but you know, it's, it's close. So, um, the next one is going to be like an intro or how the problem starts. And the book that I have for this one is The Fifth Wave. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Intrusion, 1950, no, 1955, 1995. <laughs> there will be no awakening. The sleeping woman will feel nothing the next morning, only a vague sense of unease and unshakable feeling that someone is watching her. Her anxiety will fade in less than a day and will soon be forgotten. The memory of the dream will linger a little longer. In her dream, a large owl perches outside the window, staring at her through the glass with huge, white-rimmed eyes. She will not awaken, neither will her husband beside her, neither will her husband beside her. The shadow falling over them will not disturb their sleep, and what the shadow has come for, the baby sleeping within this within the sleeping woman, will feel nothing. The intrusion breaks no skin, violates not a single cell of the her or the baby's body. It is over in less than a minute. The shadow withdraws. Now, it is only the man, this woman, the baby inside her, and the intruder, now in the baby, sleeping. The woman and the man will awaken in the morning, the baby a few months later when he is born. The intruder inside him will sleep on and not wake for several years, and when the unease of the child's mother and the memory of that dream have long since faded. Five years later, at a visit to the zoo, with her child, the woman will see the owl identical to the one in her dream. Seeing the owl is unsettling for reasons she cannot understand. She is not the first to dream of owls in the dark. She will not be the last. So, um, if you don't, if you haven't read The Fifth Wave, it's about a alien invasion. Um, in the book, the main character meets one of these sleeper agents who 
was planted there in 1995, I assume. And so it's just kind of uh, gives you background and makes sure that you, this new information that they have sleeper agents isn't just sprung on you and you're just like, okay, well, this wasn't meditated at all. <laughs> this was just like not very well thought out. You know, it just kind of introduces some things to the book. And also helps create the atmosphere. This um, passage was supposed to be very um, mysterious and intriguing and kind of off-putting, nearly. So, you know, it's just the fifth wave. Anyway, off-putting. The next one I have is Prologue. Prologues are so interesting to me sometimes. <laughs> Let me find the run. Um, journey. I feel like I talk about journey a lot, but I used very interesting tropes for journey. The introduction. Yeah, okay. Um, holy crap, I wrote 257 pages of this? What the heck? How is this document still alive? If you if you haven't written yet, um, mostly your document starts struggling after about 150 pages. Um, but this one has 257. I, I, uh, okay. Anyway, so introduction. I'll read from that. In the year 2043, the natural resources ran out. The United States was deep in debt to the other countries, you know, that's already happening, but whatever, the country scrambled for a solution, having just run out of its only valuable resource. All the remaining money went into the space program, promising more resources. Several years and much planning went into the project. They spent several decades searching for a planet that is habitable for humans. Finally, they found the Allura star system. It housed Camber, a planet that is perfect for human life. So began the Project Arc ship. Having found a planet that would house natural resources, the other global superpowers, Antarctica and Europe, began to fund the project. The United States built the ship in record time. However, it would be hundreds of years before the ship would even see land. They sent the ship off and forgot about it after a few years. Antarctica got tired of waiting and built their own ship with even more advanced technology. The ship was a lot faster and arrived using space jumps more than and used more space jumps than the other ships, so it arrived first and became the first colony outside the star system. Meanwhile, the other ships slowly got forgotten about and the United States made a deal to the United Nations. They gave up half their land in exchange for their debt to be lifted. The United States split the land evenly among the United Nations split the land evenly amongst themselves, and the United States prospered without the strain of debt on its shoulders. The oh, sorry, aye aye. They found an oil spring in Utah, and the price for oil skyrocketed. The United States bought most of its land back from the several countries. The world was careful with its oil, and it shared it carefully. Then, Antarctica's ship landed, and the resources were transported back to Earth, and we prospered until the first sign of alien life were recorded. Um, there's a lot to take in with that. That was a lot of info dump, but, you know, introductions, 
you can kind of get away with that in introductions because they aren't really supposed to go f- towards the um they're supposed to introduce the world to you introduce the situations going on but they're not really supposed to do um plot exactly so in photos are not too terrible in introductions uh mostly the problem with this is scientific it's very bad I wrote this in seventh grade, and it's only been two years, and already I'm like, what the heck? You really thought this would be okay? (laughs) Oh, man. Imagine if I tried to get that published today. They'd be like, what the heck? Have you even done science? No? Uh, the next one is alluding to the future. Alluding to the future. I love alluding to the future. I had to go on a wild goose hunt to find this beginning. I remember writing it, but I did not remember where it was. I have, like, three different versions of this book, all in various locations. (laughs) So, yeah, like, the originally written book was called Something Different, and then I changed it, like, edited the whole book, and called it The Grace in the Fall. And then I published it and edited it even more than I already did. Um, <laughs> so the first book, the first chapter in this book is called Shiloh. And this also could work as narration because the main, the person whose POV this is in, his name is uh, Noah Carter. And this is alluding to the future kind of, or it's even a little bit of background. So it starts out, Shadow's story is an interesting one. How could it not be interesting when she's an interesting girl alluding to the future? There was just something about her that left us confused, once again alluding to the future and also background. Uh, She didn't actively reach out to people like most new students did. She just waited in the corner for someone to find her, and when no one did, I decided I would for them. Good Samaritan. Yeah, okay. Uh, However, I didn't decide to befriend her quickly. It almost took um, one and a half years before I noticed her. By the time I had found her, it was nearly too late, and slowly and slowly, Shiloh's light had faded. I actually really liked writing The Grace in the Fall. It was different from the rest of the books I wrote. Uh, It was more realistic fiction, and it was... Man, I almost want to say it's a chiclet, but it wasn't written in the point of view of the girl. It was the guy. <laughs> so it was written in Carter's point of view. But uh, it's almost like a chiclet. <laughs> Comedy. That's the next one. Comedic situations. Uh, you're supposed to laugh. I don't really have any comedic situations going on, but I don't know. I suppose there's also meeting your main character, your second main character. Like, I'm looking through this, I'm on Wattpad right now, and I'm looking through reference books, and I came across my friend's book that I wrote, wrote, I read it a long, long time ago. Uh, 
and it started out with her two main characters meeting in a coffee shop, and yeah, it was, I guess that's another way to do that, but okay. So, that's all the intros I have for today, and I'm really sorry that I posted late, but I don't really have anyone to apologize to, because no one listens. Yay! Okay, um, see you all later. Thank you.